Welcome into Inside the Nest, the official podcast of Kennesaw State Athletics. KSU got another win on Saturday, but in a completely different fashion. And we'll dive into the 34-30 win for the Owls against Gardner-Webb and preview the action this Saturday against Robert Morris on the road. We'll hear from linebacker Evan Thompson, who certainly has a unique story as to how he ended up at KSU and is now the team's leading tackler and has done something no Owls ever done before. Three straight games with 10 tackles, and he did that again on Saturday with tying a program record with 16 stops. So we'll go inside the mind of Evan Thompson. And of course, would you rather in fact or fiction? Welcome on to the podcast crew. Our guys, Barkley Miller, Brandon Sutton, and Jordan Griffith. We'll get it started on Inside the Nest here in just a second. Okay, guys. How long after the game did it take your hearts to stop racing in a come from behind, come from ahead, come from behind, victory there at the end. So I looked at my my watch after the game, and after Xavier Hill caught the winning touchdown pass and all that, I got up to like 140. Like I, I, I was thumping, man. And you know, you saw Nolan. We were going nuts in the in the bright. It was so hard to like keep my composure, and not only that, stay like not biased after the touchdown on the ESPN uh, broadcast. It was, God, it was nuts. It, it, it usually took me about an hour to come down from that. And after, I don't know about you guys, after that, I was dead. I felt spent. I didn't want to do anything else the rest of the night. Um, it, it was pretty wild, though. And I'm right there with Barkley, man. That was just a spectacular ending to the game. Like, I, first off, I didn't imagine going into that, going into Saturday. But just after experiencing that, my heart, every time I'm just thinking about it, my heart still starts to be a little bit, just being able to get in and get out of that game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And again, like Barker was saying, after the uh, the Hill touchdown, pretty much to end the game for Kennesaw State, I mean, I was uh, obviously had a job to do uh, producing the radio call, having to mess with the crowd mic, you know, making it sound good for everybody and everything. But uh, at the same time, jumping up and down like a frog. I I mean, really, my legs were getting above my shoulder. I was just, it it was just, it was so crazy to see Kennesaw State not only win that game, but win in that way. And that that was something that I don't, I didn't think would happen. Didn't think I would ever see it. And they did it. And it it was pretty spectacular. Xavier Shepard earned Big South Offensive Player of the Week and College Football Performance Award, FCS Player, National Player of the Week, honorable mention because he did something that no one else did before, and that was throw four touchdown passes in a ball game. And, of course, the most impressive was the last offensive play for the Owls that fade route to Xavier Hill. And Barkley and Sutton, that's a play that you guys have seen over and over, not just in games from being on the field or on the sidelines, but in practice before with Justin Sumter. And Coach mentioned it in his press conference this week. He used to have a guy here named uh, number 15, just go up and throw the football, and good things happened. Sutton, I want to start out with you. When you have a receiver, if Hill is able to develop into a receiver that can consistently win jump balls, doesn't always have to be in the end zone, what does that do for this offense? Well, like we saw back in 2015 through 18 with Justin Sumter, just having the ability of having that one one guy that can just go up and get anything you put up there, it, it changes what you're available to do from an offensive perspective. Because knowing if you get later in the downs or get behind the chains, you have that guy that you can go to and the availability that will open up for you from the offensive side of the ball. But also just going into it, having a guy that 
can reliably go get that jump ball, it, it led us to some spectacular wins in all of these uh, previous years um, from uh, Jacksonville State to the incredible catches in Georgia State. It, it just adds that electric factor to our offense, which already is so impactful on the energy that the guys have to put into it. Just a little spark from a big catch like that can do so much in going going forward into pushing these guys to be better and better at what they do. Yeah, and on a defensive perspective, it makes that spread option offense just that much more dangerous. Whenever you look at it and you have a wide receiver that can actually go up and just moss people like Sump could do, and now like we got another guy because Avery Hill can do, it makes it to where you can't just play man-on-man bump-and-run coverage with him. He's dangerous over the top. So then you have to leave a safety over the top. So that's another safety that's not coming down and playing in the box. And that takes away from the A-backs. You know, so it, it just, like Brandon said, it adds a completely different dynamic to it. It makes it so much harder to scheme up against on defense. And I don't know about you guys. Where's this guy been all year? I mean, he's obviously a very dynamic player, very excited. He came onto the scene. But, oh, my God, I, I talked to Chandler the other night um, at the Braves game, actually. And Chandler said that since the day that that kid stepped on campus, they knew he was going to be a dude. They were just waiting for him to figure out the offense a little bit. So seems like he's figured it out. I'm glad he did. He definitely came in at the right time. So looking back at that game, obviously the offensive highlights, passing the football for 209 yards. Kennesaw State actually had more passing yards than rushing yards and won a ball game. Um, I, I'm not sure off the top of my head when's the last time that happened, but typically if that happens, that means that the running game couldn't get going and KSU just had to get some chunk plays towards the end. Not the case at all is Xavier Shepard was on the money with his passes. And it really, it kind of goes back for me, guys, the first half of Campbell. Remember, Shep had some open guys and, and he just missed the mark by a few yards every time. And Barkley and Jordan, y'all noted it after the Campbell game in our postgame wrap up of how he came out in the second half and he was on his spots. Saturday, he was wheeling and dealing, wasn't he? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it, it shows it, it just continues the mantra that is Xavier Shepard, though. You know, I mean, every time this kid gets knocked down, he's doing something wrong, he's missing the spot, his pitch relations off, he comes back and fixes it. He's definitely a perfectionist, y'all. Everybody likes to say he engineers the offense really well, and he shows it because he improves time and time again. And that just speaks to how great of a football player he can be and is going to be because he gets better game by game. Honestly, quarter by quarter, he grows as a player. He just got to get that turnover stuff figured out. I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting for that to happen. I'm going to be excited whenever that's over. But to that point, I have no doubt that he's going to do it. Anytime that I see him doing something wrong, like Brandon points out, sometimes he's slow with his reads. He's going to improve on it because he's improved on everything else. And then on top of that, now two weeks in a row that he's dominated through the air. And even though he struggled in the first half of the Campbell game and then came back in the second half and looked the way he did, I mean, what can't this kid do? And building off what Barco was talking about, yeah, and he's exactly right. Uh, Shepard, he's just can, we've continued to see incremental improvement from this guy week in and week out. He, he comes in if we do see a mistake from him. He builds off of it and he learns from it. We will not, we, as we've said before on the podcast, we will not see the same mistake from him twice. And that's just, and that speaks so much to just being a first year starter in the offense, even though he's had, he's previously had experience in it, but just being the full-time starter for his first season, this is, it's an incredible thing to see. As Coach Chestnut would say, a joy forever, a beauty to behold. (laughs) But um, 
just continue. I'm very excited to see how how his progression is going to continue to build, especially with him adding on to the uh, passing offense this season, and just just how he's going to be able to finish up after his time here at Kennesaw State is done. It's going to be. I'm very excited to see what those stat lines and everything's going to look like. Yeah, you, you guys pretty much uh, said it all, but I would say the only thing I want to add is he's such a professional. And I know I know these are collegiate athletes, student athletes here at the college level, but he takes his job so seriously. He's such, again, a guy that just nothing gets to him. And I mean, of all of the things that have happened this year, if nothing has gotten to him now, I don't think it's ever going to, especially as a sophomore. I, I mean, this guy, he, there's nothing that gets past him. And if it does, like Sutton said, I think perfectly. It doesn't happen twice. It, you don't see the same thing twice with him. And um, if you do, that's shocking. Um, but again, he's he, he's the guy for sure for Kennesaw State right now. We should have asked him after the game Saturday if he's ever been scared on Halloween before. Or people just try to scare him as a kid and he's like, stop. I think every KSU fan was uh, scared on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone who didn't play scared was Gabriel Binyard, who made his uh, first career start, became the first true freshman to start at one of the slot back positions since Darnell Holland did back in the inaugural 2015 season. And Jordan Binyard made a statement again. He was named the Big South Freshman of the Week, had some nice carries, a huge kickoff return. If it wasn't for a little friendly fire, maybe takes it back to the house. Had a nice touchdown reception as well. It's so rare for a slot back to start in this offense, given that they have to not only be able to master running the football, but running routes, catching the ball, and most importantly, blocking. Uh, Binyard came out, and he's starting to make a name for himself, isn't he? Yeah, I 100% agree. I'll let the other guys get to the intricacies of how he's doing it, but he's a spark, and that's that's the, the best word I can use to describe him right now, and that applies to the kickoffs. I mean, if you bring kickoff back, okay, 30 yards, all right, good return. 40, really good, and it just, just goes further and further from there. Only 20 yards away, really, at that point. Again, very close to housing that one. And again, as a freshman coming in, there have been a lot of guys that have stepped up lately. I mean, this has been one of the most injured teams in the Big South this year. You need these guys to step up, and they have. You have Binyard, you have Hill. I mean, I mean Thompson, I mean, can you believe how well he's been playing this year? And Binyard, again, a freshman that you can just add to that list of, of guys that are just playing out of their mind right now. Oh, yeah, no, you're right, Jordan. And you know who this kid reminds me of? Reminds me of Isaac Foster. He's killing it in the return game. He's coming in at the A-back spot whenever, you know, he really didn't have a name for himself and is making one. God, he, he plays his butt off, and I love it. He blocks, though. That's the biggest part with him. Everybody knew he was a freak coming out of high school. Heard the coaches talk about how excited they were whenever they signed him and just how much he's improved in that because, like you said, Nolan – some of these A-backs, you know, they come out of high school, they know how to carry the ball, they have good ball vision, that's why they're college running backs. But figuring out how to do those cut blocks and the right way to not get flagged and then to not get avoided and open up, you know, lanes for more guys to come in and make a tackle is so impressive, and he did that Saturday. He made a lot of running room for some of the other guys, Pharaoh included, and then he capitalized on his opportunities whenever he got the chance. It it was so impressive to me how much that kid stepped up, especially being a true freshman. And the first one to start since Darnell, that's pretty crazy in the inaugural season. And it kind of is the same story. Darnell got to start in the inaugural season because of all the injuries that we had at A-back. Same thing here. Kid got his opportunity, and he took advantage. 
Well, if Binyard goes on to have a career like Darnell Hall, and that is good news for KSU fans. So those are some of the highlights. In the past, we talked about one area for the offense to improve is turnovers. Well, this game, the defense actually gave up points, which is something the KSU defense did not do in the previous two games. Gardner-Webb was able to have success early in the first quarter, success early in the third quarter, and then late in the ballgame with back-to-back scoring drives. Sutton, we'll start with you and kind of work around. What do you think is the biggest area that the Kennesaw State defense needs to come back and shore up going into Robert Morris? And uh, looking at, at Saturday, just the biggest thing I, I felt like coming out of uh, the Gardner-Webb game was just coverage on backs coming out of the backfield. We saw it the entire game. Whenever uh, Gaither slipped out of the backfield on a route or on a motion, the defense, we, we, wouldn't, we didn't adjust to it very well. Um, every time we, with any movements or any shifts, we, we just didn't have a lot, very great, uh, very good adjustment. So going into this week, I feel like that's going to be one of the main things we have to look at, just adjusting to movement out of the backfield and just being able to shift coverage to whoever we believe the hot man's going to be on this such on set play. Yeah, no, you're right, Brandon. I mean, that, that's exactly what happened. And I'll tell you what was impressive to me about all this. Yeah, Gardner-Webb had all the success, whatever. They did everything they needed to do to pull off the upset and win that ball game, but they still didn't, which is so impressive to me. And Brandon knows what I'm talking about when I say this. Whenever you're a player and you're playing a game, and I, I don't know about you guys, it felt like nothing went right for Kennesaw. The offense wasn't moving. Special teams giving up big plays. Defense, who has been stout all year since Georgia Tech, just falling apart and you still find a way to pull off a win, that's almost bigger than playing everything correctly. It shows that those guys didn't quit. It shows that they knew that they were going to find a way to win, which is huge. But just to go off of what Brandon was saying of how, what we need to fix, on defense, they went back to kind of what was happening early on, a lot of busted coverages. Golly, I mean, you can't have a, a receiver split out to the wide side of the field, running a go, Wide open, not once, not twice, but three times in the game. Kid dropped two of them. Caught, I guess it was four times because he caught two, dropped two. And imagine if he would have caught those two. I mean, I, I know that's what ifs. You can go back and what ifs all day. But you, you just can't have that. Say the, the corners were sitting from what it looked like to me. I could be wrong correctly in their zone. Safeties weren't rolling over the top in time. That's an adjustment that has to be made. And – with how Kennesaw State's defense and Coach Safford's coached up these DBs all year, I, I don't have any doubt that it's going to happen. But the flashy style offense that Gardner-Webb showed from Coach and he knew what he was doing the second he stepped into this game. With all the flashy motions, getting everybody's eyes out of place, and that's the biggest part, like Brandon was saying. The motion was getting their eyes out of place. The safeties were looking in the wrong spots. They were looking at the slot guys or in the backfield because they had so much success with Gaither that they were having to adjust their eyes, even though they shouldn't have. You still got to play your keys. And then on the offensive aspect, man, they're going to have to get some stuff fixed there too. They had a big physical front at Gardner-Webb, and same old story like Brandon said before, defensive ends crashing in, linebackers are getting good penetration. And what did Coach Chestnut do? He made an adjustment and went to the air to open up the offense, even though Gardner-Webb went all in. They were like, nope, we're not letting the triple option happen. They're just going to sit there and keep crashing the ends, keep having the linebackers penetrate, and allow Kennesaw to go to the top. So 
I think it makes a lot of teams look at that and be like, man, well, we can't do that all game because they're just going to adjust and go over the top. It's a lot of things that are that's going into this week, and I think most importantly, this is a big game for Kennesaw to get right. It's a get-right game for them, and they have the opportunity to do so this week going to Robert Morris. Yeah, I'll say back to the uh, defensive uh, question that Nolan posed. I would, I would say it's probably the last time that I think Kennesaw State's going to be fooled on a fake pooch, pump fake, Hail Mary. And that's exactly what happened. At, I want to say the 45-yard line, about midfield, about where you would see a normal quick kick from a quarterback, and that's not what happened, and they get burned. And luckily, that goes straight off the guy's face mask. They're unable to bring it in. That was a, the turning point, really, for Robert Morris, um, or excuse me, for Gardner-Webb. I think uh, that's something that they'll have to button up, and I don't think it'll ever happen again. I think now that um, they know that that's possible, they'll always be on their toes now in terms of uh, trick plays from the other team. Well, Kennesaw State will get a team this Saturday, Robert Morris, that you, you put it on paper, kind of similar to this Saturday, you think, oh, this could be a trap game again. Robert Morris is not the same white-flagged Robert Morris that Barkley Miller noted in the spring game, a 35 nothing win for the Owls. Still one of the greatest calls in the history of radio broadcasts. you got to go back and, and get that moment from Mr. Miller. But uh, that team last spring pales in comparison to what Robert Morris has been able to do this year. The Colonials are 3-4 and four overall, 2-3 and three in the Big South. They're coming from a, a 38-35 win against Hampton last Saturday in which they outscored Hampton the fourth quarter, 18-7. to They put together, very similar to Gardner-Webb, two scoring drives late in the ballgame. They scored with three minutes and one second left to cap off a 14-play, 75-yard drive. So a gotta-have-it drive, they marched down the field, took six minutes off the clock. They won it on a Nick Biseglia field goal to earn Big South Special Teams of the Week. Uh, that was a seven-play, 46-yard drive and a 38-yard field goal, so not necessarily a gimme. George Martin is back at quarterback this year. They had two receivers have six catches in the ballgame, James Westry and DeAndre Hicks, who went four for 43 against KSU last spring. Uh, Robert Morris was eight of 12 on third downs and held the football for almost 33 and a half minutes. There's a lot of good things that Robert Morris is doing that's not the same Robert Morris squad that we saw a year ago, and they've won seven straight at home with a noon kickoff. This is going to be another challenge for Kennesaw State. Yeah, I'll go ahead and start us off with this one. I think the two things that stick out to me about this Robert Morris team is, number one, that they don't quit. And that was something that we kind of didn't see in the spring. I know, I know Barkley's smiling right there, but they don't quit. This is a team that fights this year. We've seen that a couple of times. They were down big against Hampton. They come back and they win by three points. And this team can straight swing the ball, guys. 360 yards in their last game. The thing that I think is most important is they went 29 of 40. They didn't turn the ball over. If you put the ball in the air 40 different times at a collegiate level, chances are you're going to turn the ball over once or twice. They didn't do it at all. And so for the fact that they were able to do that, that was pretty impressive. Yeah, no, you're right, JG. I mean, I would think the biggest part, another difference between last year and this year, George Martin has improved tremendously. Uh, as you noted, 28 for 39 from him for 315 yards and two tutties, no picks. I mean, that's huge. Then Elijah Jackson, their running back, 25 carries for 127 yards and a touchdown. They can run the ball, too. Last year, it just felt like, and I don't know about you guys, it's like after Kennesaw got up 14 zip, they did. They laid down. They were done. And that's obviously not the case this year. These coaches wanted to make a note of that. I, I know the spring was completely different. Heck, you look across FCS right now, some of these teams were big playoff teams in the spring 
are not even competitive this year in the fall. I mean, and everybody thought it was going to be a copy and paste from the spring to the fall, and that just hasn't been the case. There's been so many teams that went back and fixed things up, and then some teams didn't improve or they stayed the same, and if you're not improving in this world, you're getting worse. So I think that's definitely showing here. I agree. I don't think this is going to be the same white flag. I'm glad these aren't the Patriots fighting for our country, uh, Robert Morris. But I I do still think that this – if Kennesaw State – goes in this game the way they should, especially after a big scare against Gardner-Webb at home. This has the opportunity to be a get-right game for them to kind of finally tie in all three components, which they have yet to do all year. It's never been the offense, defense, and special teams on the same page. It's always been one picking up the other. We've had two of three sometimes. And this is a big opportunity for them to go in to Pittsburgh against Robert Morris and get right and really show the Big South that, yeah, last week, we weren't on our game. It was Halloween Eve. Some spooky stuff was going on, and we got that figured out. I think both you guys are definitely right. This is this week is going to be nothing but a mentality game for these guys. These coaches coming out of last week are just going to have one thing in their mind. That's to get back on track, get back to where we should be at this point in time. The last game may not didn't go how we wanted it to, so now we have to get things so that next week it's going to go exactly how we planned, exactly how we wrote up. So throughout this entire week, I think it's just going to be a lot of so to speak, remedial sessions for these guys, so to speak, just a lot of film study and just a lot of, hey, what do you do on this? Just checking things because this is a team that can score points and they're hungry for another Big South win. So coming into this game, they're going to try to do everything they can to, one, throw off, throw Kennesaw State off like they did, like Gardner-Webb was able to last week, and just try to squeeze in a win. So this entire week, these guys are going to have to get, get focused again like we were, like they were coming out of the Georgia Tech loss. And just get back to that mentality of this. We're not. We're still not playing the best ball we all we can. We have to keep getting better and keep getting better and keep getting better. Going to be a fun one Saturday, a noon kickoff in Moon Township, Pennsylvania, roughly 10 minutes away from Pittsburgh's airport. I'll be on the call with Barkley Miller and Jordan Griffith on the KSU Owl Network. You can hear it on the KSU Owls app. Make sure you download that, especially as we get set for basketball season here at the Convocation Center. Up next, we'll hear from linebacker Evan Thompson about his history leading up to Kennesaw State, his unique path to land here, what he's enjoyed about this season, and what he will be doing this spring. Evan Thompson joins us next on Inside the Nest. At Fifth Third Bank, we hold ourselves to a higher standard. Just look at our name, Fifth Third. Five-thirds equals 166.7%. So, according to the laws of mathematics, we are obligated to put 166.7% into everything we do. From our great customer service, to our security solutions, to providing you access to over 45,000 fee-free ATMs nationwide. This is banking a fifth-third better. Learn more at 53.com. Fifth Third Bank, member FDIC. And we are joined by linebacker Evan Thompson as Kennesaw State gets set to take on Robert Morris this Saturday up in the state of Pennsylvania. Evan, in some ways, it's like we've just blinked our eyes and here we are three quarters of the way done through the regular season. What has been in your mind the definition of your play at Kennesaw State and your your season so far how how would you update someone of, hey, I transferred this new school, found my way on the team. Yeah, by the way, I've done something no other player has done. I've had three straight 10-tackle games and now make it four. 
and just tied the single game record with 16. Yeah, honestly, it's been quite quite crazy. I appreciate you guys having me on, but um, it's been kind of like a whirlwind type deal. Like I just, you know, you get here over summer, you start training, and and you just put your head down and work. And we're already, you know, seven and one, eight games in, and it's uh, for me, it's just been a blessing to be a part of this team, this winning culture, and this organization. I never knew that, you know, this would all, you know, figure itself out like this. But uh, for my play, I just I just take advantage of every opportunity I'm given. I know at the start of the season, I was just I just, I just played wherever they wanted me to. And then now just molding into like a leadership role in the defense and um, just making sure that everyone is elevated around me. So um, that's kind of mainly where I see myself right now. And I just I just feel like our defense is just. It's just one of the best in the nation, and we just continue to grow every single week. So, Well, let's backtrack, get to know your story, and then we'll come back up to speed with this defense and your play at linebacker. So you went to Florida Tech. We have you listed from Claremont, Florida. Mm-hmm. Have you always been a native Floridian, and when did you get into the sport of football? Mm. Uh, yes, always been a native of Florida. I grew up in Claremont, Florida my whole life. Um, now live in Winter Garden, which is just outside Claremont. Um, but I, I started playing football as my first love since I was four or five years old. Uh, tackle football when I was five and just just loved the game, just loved to play in front of people, loved to put on a show, loved to celebrate, to dance, all that stuff, and just, you know, just play as a kid. And that's what I really do right now is just – go back to when I was a kid and like, what, what, what's that feeling of playing in your backyard or playing with your friends? And, and that's what I feel every Saturday when I play in college. But um, yeah, that's, I mean, playing since I was five, it really helps me out with just, just realizing how fun the game is and, and not never taking a day for granted. So. Who did you pretend to be an idolized playing in your backyard? Oh man. Uh, so many people, but Brian Erlacher was my was my number one favorite football player of all time. And then when I would celebrate, I would do the John Cena, you can't see me move over the over the people I would tackle. Well, there's no doubt that you have fun on the field, and it's great to watch you to like interact with the band and, and the music that's playing and get pumped up afterward. It, it's, it's fun to see that joy. Mm-hmm. So grew up in Claremont, and you attended Florida Tech. What what did your recruitment look like, and how did you end up at Florida Tech? Yeah, so um, out of high school, I uh, wasn't heavily recruited. Um, I, you know, e- even being, like, one of the top recruits in Orlando, I was mainly FCS and D- Division II and um, was was really looking at the Ivy Leagues and the Patriot League a lot out of high school and went to all those camps and got offered by a lot of them. and. Um, really was focusing on them and kind of coaching coaching situations fell through and dating back to senior year um a couple weeks before signing day uh was actually going to go to Lehigh University which is in uh Pennsylvania and um coaching situations fell through there and my my favorite option was Florida Tech because it's close, it's an hour and 20 minutes from my house the coaches were awesome the culture is very similar to Kennesaw it's very small knit culture and Everyone is uh, here to win. So um, I ended up at Florida Tech just because of the, you know, staying close to home. And uh, I value my education a lot. I was a mechanical engineer at the time. So um, that's why I ended up picking Florida Tech. 
Well, you went there, uh, had progress there for a great degree. You mentioned mm-hmm. mechanical engineering. It's a really good school. And they went on the football field. You're right about the culture. The Panthers piled up some wins, yeah. and but it, it, it didn't end well. There were some decisions to end the program at Florida Tech. Right. How did you process that news, and how did you look for the next step? Man, I, I really, like, as I look back on it now, it's just probably one of the most, like, like heart wrenching new like one of the most heart it's like a you know like death in the family or like something happens like that that you just it just throws you off by storm like what am I going to do with my life now so like pretty much everything from your education from your from your um your uh, athletic career to your family to your location all that stuff is going to be moved and it just hits you you know my head coach told us that the president decided to you know shut down the program and obviously there's you know substantial reasons why with COVID and stuff but um when that happened it's just it was uh, I was just blown away I was shocked I was speechless I don't even know you know how to describe it but now I just look back at it as like God's plan really for me I mean I just I just know that he only he has a hand in all of our lives and it really just stuck out to me that you know that wasn't really the right the right thing for me to be in and now I see why like as I look back back at it now but it was um it was definitely something that I you know I didn't think about at the time but now I'm like wow I'm so thankful that everything you know I learned so much I grow so much I mean meet so many awesome people so I'm thankful for it now though so football is canceled at Florida Tech you still want to play. You still have some eligibility. Right. Where were you trying to go? What'd you do? <clears throat> oh man, when Florida Tech got canceled, it was uh, <laughs> wow. I I just uh, from there on, I took a day, took actually two days to process it. Call my family. Just you know, what the heck just happened? You know, I'm just in my room, like uh, hanging out outside, just with my family, like trying to figure out what the heck's going on. And then I kid you not, probably about you know three days after. Um, for that next week, I was on the phone for 24 hours for six days straight, just just calling coaches, people all over the nation, FBS, FCS, Division Two, all over the nation, just calling me, wanting me to come to their school, visit, offering me and stuff, and I'm just blown away because I wasn't as highly recruited out of high school, so this attention and this, like, um, people calling me all over, I'm just like, like it's just uh, it just felt like like a five star recruit in a way just because I was you know I was all conference and all American at Florida Tech so it um, it really helped me with my recruiting um, when it shut down so and you also had another aspect to carry forward and that's mm-hmm. golf yeah. but let's talk about golf a little bit right. how did you grow into the sport of golf and what was the opportunity like was that presented initially to do two sports at Florida Tech or did you get a scholarship for football and then have to try out for golf right um so yeah I going off going on now to golf I I really started in ninth grade to try to do something on the weekend with my dad I just played golf and I don't know how it happened or why it happened but I got good really fast and I was like wow this is amazing because golf is usually one of the hardest sports to ever get good at so um, I took advantage of that. I started playing some junior events, started playing some tournaments, and I, I won a couple. And I was like, oh, man, I, I mean, I really could, like, do something with it. So when I got to Florida Tech, I really wanted to try to play golf, like try to, you know, do the two sports. I know I would make history by being, you know, the, you know, first golfer and football player in Division Two history, blah, blah. But I really 
was so thankful because the football uh, Steve Inglehart, the head football coach, and the head golf coach Chris Saltmarsh were best were good friends. And in football, I would just do uh, sorry. In fall, I would just do football, and then in the spring, I would do both football and golf because I do we'd do football at six a.m. I would have class all day, then do golf practice in the afternoon. And um, they would work out stuff for qualifying and for tournaments and which one, like, when do I go to football? When do I go to golf? So it, I was so thankful that they were able to work things out. But it's it was spring season for me was probably more busy, if not busier than than uh, than fall season. So. So what all transpired from that moment in Florida Tech mm-hmm. when you still got golf, you don't have football anymore to ending up here at Kennesaw State? Wow. Oh man. That's, that's a loaded question, but to try to try to keep it with the podcast version. <laughs> um, so, you know, I got offered I was so blessed and thankful to be, you know, for so many highly prestigious universities to, you know, offer me and want me to come to their school. But for me, I said, it's education, football and golf. You have to offer me four, not just two, not just one. So when I, when I was, when I was trying to send out my resume, my film, my scores, all that stuff, uh, there was a couple of schools that really, really had in mind. And the first one that really, you know, stuck out to me was uh, Ford Atlantic University, and that's FAU. And uh, I know uh, uh, Willie Tagger and uh, Jim Levitt were down there in Boca. So I actually went down there. <clears throat> I was training all summer for their team, and actually my undergrad credits didn't transfer. So I had to uh, graduate at Florida Tech. I actually did I did go down there and play golf um, and still wanted to play football. So I had was in contact with the coaches, blah, blah, but they ended up leaving. The uh, Jim Levitt ended up leaving for SMU. So um, I actually put myself in the portal, wanted to play football game, wanted to play, wanted to play golf my last year. And, um, and um, Coach Propel and Coach Harris, they both were in the Gulf South Conference that played against me, and they knew – uh, who I was and, and obviously coming from Florida Tech and uh, with the all-conference uh, resume and stuff, they really wanted me to come up to Kennesaw. So um, I said, I'm only coming up if I'm able to play golf as well. So they got a hold of the golf coach and, and sent them all my stuff. And I was so thankful that I was able to come up here and visit. And um, once I once I came up here and visited and saw the culture, saw the team, met all the people, I, I really fell in love with the program. So that's how I ended up here. Well, it's quite the story, and uh, we are very lucky to have you here as a member of our football and our men's golf programs. So w- what does practicing for golf look like during football season, and mm-hmm. w- what's your plan going to be for the spring semester after football and, and with the men's golf team? Right. Um, during the football season, uh, I just try to do my best to just get some reps in for golf uh, whenever I can when I'm not <laughs> when I'm not as sore as possible. So like Sundays when I'm, you know, when I'm out just hanging out, I'll, I'll go hit some golf balls. Like let's say a Thursday, cause we don't, it's focused Thursday. I'll try to get my mind off the ball and, and uh, lock in, hit some golf balls or, or early Friday, but mainly I'll, I'll try to go out once a week and do at least an hour to two hour golf practice. Um, uh, because that's what that's outside of school film, um, you know, resting, um, recovery, football, all that stuff. So, so in the, in, in the fall, it's pretty much all football and, you know, one day of golf, but, uh, in the spring, I'll, I'll plan on, um, 
uh, joining the golf team and obviously what, what, you know, God forbid with football, you know, how, how that ends up. I mean, I don't know how, um, you know, make it after, after college, if there's any plans for me to play in the next level of football or golf or whatever, but we'll leave that up to God and see what happens. But in the spring, I'll, I'll redshirt for golf and play next year, both fall and spring. So I can play a full year of golf and finish my master's degree. I just got, I'm looking forward to you winning a tournament in golf and doing a celebration like how you yeah. do in the football field yeah. and bring that over to the links. <laughs> yeah. I'll try to carry over my football celebrations to the golf ball. <laughs> I think that would be pretty cool. You've been noted by people around the program, Evan, for how you kind of take care of your body and, and you do all the little things, you know, taking notes during meetings and how you how you carry yourself and uh, everything you do to really like uh, everything off the field in between the games to put yourself in the best situation. What what all do you do from a rest and recovery standpoint and, and a nutrition standpoint to take care of your body? Um. I would just say, you know, I spoke on how I've been doing this since I've been five years old and at Florida Tech and been playing college football for a while. It just, I just really figured out how my body works and how I work. And um, I think it was the year when I wasn't playing football last year that I really figured out what works for me, like how I recover, how, how I train, how my body works. And I've really gotten hold of that. And I've really taken, um, like I kind of developed this like philosophy. It's called armor, weapons, and ammo. And uh, you gotta you gotta build your armor for the game. You gotta build your weapons for each play, and you gotta build your ammo. How long you can last? And that's that's what I go off of. And my recovery is just making sure I I sleep, eat, hydrate, and uh, and uh, recover, which is like ice bath and cryotherapy and stuff. So I do a bunch of things, but everything you know. How, like the coach both always says it after practice and during practice, how you do anything is how you do everything. So I kind of, I'm a real big striver in that, and I really appreciate how he says that. Awesome. Joined by linebacker Evan Thompson as Kennesaw State gets set for Robert Morris this weekend at 1 p.m. Well, Evan, this defense, prior to Gardner-Webb, was lights out, back-to-back shutouts, all sorts of defensive records seem to be posted every week. And then in the game with the running Bulldogs, it was kind of a flip of the script. The offense saved the day there at the very end. What's the bounce back look like for the defense this week against Robert Morris? Yeah, so um, we knew coming in that they had, you know, they have one of the, one, a great scheme and, you know, they have great offensive players and, you know, they're running back and quarterback run that system really well. So we knew what we were coming into. We just got to, you know, fix them. It's very little things and it's all about us really. Um, fixing our mistakes and you know it's never about the opponent we face it's always about making sure that we're we're the hardest playing team on that field and we're doing our job every single snap so um, we just got to get that fixed and uh, we'll we can uh, promise the KSU fans that that won't uh, that won't be an issue again we'll make sure that that gets fixed and stuff like so um, but against Robert Morris we just got to you know do exactly what we do best, and that's running the football, and that's doing our job. So um, we we strive ourselves off of of being the hardest defense on that field, uh, hardest playing team on that field. So um, we don't we don't got no all Americans or superstars, but we'll make sure that our our presence is felt in the Big South after uh, we play each team. So um, I think that's uh, that's how we strive ourselves on this defense.
It's a great attitude to have. Evan, we'll end it with this with an open mic. Is there anyone that you would like to shout out, whether it be friends, family, teammates, fans, or anyone else? Well, I mean, there's a lot of people I'd like to shout out. It is my mom's birthday today. Uh, I don't, it just happened to be on this podcast. So happy birthday, my mom. But I would just say everybody on the KSU, KSU football team just always, uh, has been family since day one. Every single coach, every single player, um, even you guys with the communication media department, um, you guys have been awesome. You just took me in as family ever since I've been here. So it's been a pleasure and it's, uh, I, I just love being able to, uh, perform and, and, and just really put on for the people that, you know, care about me and, have been there since day one, so I really appreciate everyone that's been here. Well, Evan, it's been a pleasure watching you play. Thanks for joining us, and best of luck against Robert Morris Saturday. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Today tastes like movie night. Okay, whose turn is it to choose? And everyone's favorite hit, pizza and Coke. Today tastes like front row seats for all, like cushions and popcorn, and counting the seconds. Today tastes like a slice of the action. Like we belong here and now. And it never tasted this good. Coca-Cola. Together tastes better. Welcome to the Big South Blitz. I am Jordan Griffith. And once again, the Big South ceases to amaze me. What another crazy week within this conference. I only blame myself for thinking that I haven't figured out every single week only to come to the reality that I know nothing. And the Big South reminds me every single Saturday. So let's get right into those scores. So once again, go in reverse order in terms of shock value. Let's start off with Monmouth versus North Carolina A&T. North Carolina A&T, of course, a team that's been struggling lately ever since they played the Kennesaw State Owls on offense. And Monmouth rolls 35-16 to in Greensboro, North Carolina. Monmouth is looking really good the past few games. But once again, North Carolina A&T offensively have not been able to get it together ever since they lost to the Owls. And being the box score reader that I am, the two things that stick out in this game were the inconsistencies of the North Carolina A&T offense to score the ball throughout the game as well as the penalties. They had 12 penalties for 98 yards. That not only takes away drives, but that takes away so much of the offense, especially on the ground. They had 117 rushing yards, but that was it. That was really the only sort of offense that they were able to put up. Again, a lot of penalty yards, and they scored all 16 of their points in the second quarter. Were scoreless throughout the rest of the three, so the inability to score consistently in Monmouth put up 14, 7, 7, and 7 to get a total of 35, and they iced the game with no doubt on it. Monmouth looking much better these last two weeks. The next game I want to get to because I cannot contain my disbelief, I suppose, is Charleston Southern versus Campbell. Charleston Southern wins 27-14 to over the Camels. And I'm not only stunned by the result of this game, I mean, Campbell gave Kennesaw State a bit of a fight in Bowie Creek, North Carolina just two weeks ago. But Charleston Southern, they looked dead in the water in the Big South. And all of a sudden, they scored 27 points. But the most fascinating part of this game was the first play of the game, which was technically the kickoff. 
The Camels' Josh McNeely returned it all the way back. It was going to be a 100-yard kickoff return to start off the game. He tosses the ball out at the one-yard line. He does not score. Charleston Southern then recovers it, comes back down, and scores seven points. A 14-point swing for the Camels to start off the first play of the game, and the Buccaneers just never let go. They were able to score consistently throughout the game. They put up 27, and that first play, I mean, that was really what wrote the entire game starting off for Campbell. Campbell scored 14 points, all of those coming within the fourth quarter. So maybe some garbage time points right there. But Charleston Southern, they look a lot better. And outside of Monmouth and Kennesaw State, a lot of teams jostling for the middle of the pack here in the Big South. And Charleston Southern just threw their hat into the ring. I know I said it before, but I just want to reiterate. What is going on in the Big South? Robert Morris beats Hampton 38-35. to This was a game that Hampton jumped out big. Robert Morris was on their back heels, and they end up scoring 18 points within the fourth quarter, and they went off a last-second field goal. And something that Kennesaw State fans are going to have to be aware of for the upcoming week versus Robert Morris is the air attack. They had 360 yards in the air, threw the ball 40 times, and completed it 29 of those 40. They also had two touchdowns and did not turn the ball over once. So that means that they are a conservative yet aggressive passing attack. This is a team that can sling the ball all over the yard. So the secondary and really the defense as a whole for Kennesaw State is going to have their hands full this upcoming weekend. But speaking of the Hampton-Robert Morris game, I'm not sure how Hampton lost this one. I, I got to be honest, I'm scratching my head right here. They scored 35 points. Jet Duffy had five touchdowns. Jet Duffy had five touchdowns and they lost Hampton. Got to figure some things out. Now, they were looking like a middle of the pack, maybe somewhat upper echelon, I would say top third team within the Big South right now. But they're going to have to figure some things out on defense because they just allowed 38 points to a Robert Morris team. They're now 1-3 within the Big South and now within the bottom third of the conference in Hampton. Once again, got to start cleaning some things up on the defensive end if they want to stay competitive within this conference. And while we're at it, let's get a review of the Big South standings as of right now. Kennesaw State and Monmouth tied at number one at 4-0. Then technically in second place, you have Robert Morris at 2-2, two two, 500 on the year in the Big South. Then you have Campbell and Charleston Southern both tied for third at 2-3, actually as well with North Carolina A&T, all of those teams having a 2-3 record. North Alabama at 1-2, Gardner-Webb at 1-3, and, and Hampton also at 1-3. So now Hampton and Gardner-Webb, two teams Kennesaw State have played, tied for last within this conference. And then a team that, once again, that we thought were dead within the conference, Charleston Southern, now at 2-3 and, and one game away from getting technically that second spot in the Big South. And that will do it for the Big South Blitz. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Jordan Griffith. Let's get you back to Inside the Nest. And welcome back into Inside the Nest, the official podcast of Kennesaw State Athletics. If you haven't already, feel free to subscribe to this podcast. We are available wherever you get your podcasts and rate, leave a comment as well. Okay, guys, here we go. Factor fiction. We had a little double or nothing before. Let's see if we can get this right. One point out there. Factor fiction coming up after Would You Rather. Jordan, ask away. All right, guys. Now, I, I went with this one based off of what I think was our best would you rather. So would you rather always be stuck in traffic but find the perfect parking spot or never hit traffic but always take forever to park? 
man, I would rather never be stuck in traffic and not find good parking spots because, you know, I'll park in the back and walk. That's not a big deal to me. So I, I, I hate sitting in traffic. That would change so much of my life. Um, and then I guess you don't really have to deal with that whenever you get home, right? Because, like, it's your parking spot. If somebody else is there, I guess I'll park on the street. I feel I'll be a little upset, but. I disagree. I would rather wait in traffic for a better spot because there's nothing better than having the, the great spot by the door, you know, when you're coming out of somewhere, just being able to hop in your car and go. No way. So come on, man. I mean, like it, it takes you an hour to get there, but it's like, oh, I get to park right by the door. That's that's OK. It makes it worth it. Gives you make, <laughs> that little, you know, that little glimmer in your heart. Oh, man. No, I'm with Barkley. I'm fine getting some more steps and walking somewhere. I, I don't want to sit in traffic. You know what? I picked this because I knew I would go against the grain. Uh, and I'm with Sut. I would much rather get the better parking spot. You go to a concert, you go to any major event, and if if you went to the World okay, if you went to the World Series game tonight, it's let's say it's in Atlanta, Barkley. You go to the World Ga- World Series game tonight. Would you rather have to wait in traffic, or would you rather have that better parking spot to get in and out of the stadium? Dude, that's what I'm saying. I, I'll get there quick, and I will park in the back. I will walk. Yeah, it's actually easier to get out if you park in the back. Exactly. But if you get, no, 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 no. No, see, to me, if you get the perfect spot, that means you get out quicker than everybody else, and you're beating traffic. Uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, exactly. Because okay, it's, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do, okay? Next home football game, Brandon and Jordan are going to park in the Marietta campus, and they're going to walk over. Or no, sorry. Whoa, whoa, whoa. you guys, you guys do that. We're, we'll do that, but you, you no, we're not going to do Marietta. So I was about to say, that's too far. We'll, we'll park at the perch. We'll have to walk over, and y'all can park in the white lot. However, we'll just we'll just change the route that you have to take to get to the stadium. Yeah, they're gonna have to. We're gonna have to change it to where they get the like economical route, quote unquote. Takes them like an hour to get to the stadium. Yep. You know, they get there in like 15 minutes. Yep. And, and you know what? That's fine because when the game's over, guess what? Me and Sut are hopping in our cars and we're out of there and we're beating all the traffic. You guys are walking to your in car, dodging traffic, players after the game. I mean, it's it's a mess. I I can't park the spot all the way. What what's fact or fiction? Let's see if we can get some points here. And uh, dude, do not let this be about the freaking moon. It, okay. You know, <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Watching the World Series and seeing that NFT commercial with the guy with the moon head, that's Barkley now. That's what Barkley's talking about. That's, that's so funny you say it because I was thinking about doing a space one and really messing with everybody's head. But I'm actually going to go because uh, last time you guys all got all you guys all guessed mine correct. I haven't slept. I haven't ate since that day. So I, I am trying to go the other way. Instead of making it so detailed, I'm making it so, so simple. That it's, it's going to be difficult for you guys. All right. You'll miss it if you blink on this one, okay? Fact or fiction? Nutmeg can kill you or gorillas actually have fingerprints. Okay. I, I got to be that guy and say this again. I mean, I'm sure nutmeg can kill you depending on how you use nutmeg, right? Okay. I mean. <laughs> I, I mean, come on. Depending on how you use it. I mean. And, you know what? I, I can't. I can't go into details with you on here, Nolan. You, you're just going to have to interpret it as you can. Nobody's, I mean, in, nobody's Anything can kill you. Right, exactly. So that's what that's what I'm saying. So, like, don't even think of it. Okay. Then, I mean, then, okay. Then, then that one's true, and finger and gorillas don't have fingerprints. Since, and, since I can interpret it as anything can kill me. <laughs> yeah. But, like, come on now. Like, there's all these scientists that say that humans descend from like gorillas and monkeys and stuff. So like they gotta have fingerprints, right? 
So like, are they both true, Nolan? No. I, so you go ahead. I don't. I don't know. Because I I don't know why, but the nutmeg one just seems a little off to me. So I'm going with the gorillas because I, yeah. I can't be looking smiths on this one. And I'm gonna go with the nutmeg one, and I'm gonna tell you guys why after Jordan gives us the answers. I feel like Wait, that's no, I, I want to hear why first. Yeah, Same, uh, I, I can't the give nutmeg you a one is what? Is it true or false? You want you want me to reveal it? No, I can I'm tell you. I, I can, the, nut, the nutmeg one is true, and I know this because in high school I watched an ASAP science video that like stuck with me forever. Two tablespoons of nutmeg can kill you. Okay, well he is right. He knew the exact amount. That's insane that you knew that. Okay, well yeah. Uh, it's actually, um, I believe it's koalas have fingerprints. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know what? My, I had to do, I had to make a quick one up, so I had to alter a fact to make it to make it fiction. But man, you knew the exact amount. I was actually gonna say two tablespoons, but it has to. Here's the thing. It's not just like nutmeg that you buy. It has to be raw, un what's synthesized i guess whatever the word is yeah the nutmeg you buy in the grocery stores is cut with other stuff it's not like just pure like just like there's not a big warning label do not take two tablespoons of this (laughs) (laughs) but no i did i watched some asap science i don't know if you guys follow them on youtube they put out some cool stuff that like came out i think it was in high school or early college and i was like wait nutmeg can kill me i watched the whole video low-key if we ever do a trivia night together barkley's really good at science stuff Science and in physics and in that that that, that's that's Barclay's strength. At the same time, he also tried to convince you to go to the other side. You like that? You like that, No, that's snake behavior. I'm the villain of the podcast, man. I gotta play the role. Come on now. It's all mind games with this guy. Well, we'll have to get an updated scoreboard soon. Good one over there, Jordan. And guys, we appreciate it here on Inside the Nest. Looking forward to the Owls and the Colonials this Saturday from Moon Township, Pennsylvania. We'll report on the status of the pierogies from Permanti Brothers. And hopefully come back with an Owls victory. Hootie hoo. For Jordan Griffith, Brandon Sutton, and Barkley Miller, I'm Nolan Alexander. And until next time, go Owls. <laughs>